Breaking news concerning the U.S. economy. Official figures show that once more the So I've been having this ongoing conversation with my daughter, Novella, who's seven years old, and she's really proud that she's seven. She's recently seven. And I just keep telling her, I'm like, well, you know, we're, we're not that far apart. I'm, I'm not that much older than you. I'm, I'm only 37 years old. That's pretty young. She's like, Dad, that is so old. I'm like, no, 37, that's, o- that's only 30 years older than you. And she's like, Dad, that is so old. I'm like, no, it's not that old. And so we've been having this kind of argument back and forth about, how, how young I am. And uh, we were driving in the car the other day and she was ready for my argument. I was like, hey, Novella, how old are you? She's like seven. I'm like, I'm only 37. I'm pretty young. And she goes, no, dad, you are so old. And uh, I'm like, no, I'm 37. She just goes, one. I said, what are you doing? Two, three, Novella, stop it. Four, Novella, stop it. Five, I said, stop it. And she did not stop till she got to 37 and she made her point and won the argument. I love learning more and more about my daughter in this uh, crazy world that we're in. How are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? I hope you're well and I hope uh, you and your family are doing okay. We've been in the series called How to Find Peace of Mind. And uh, the theme verse we're looking at is a statement by Jesus. It says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that verse awesome? God wants us to have a life, uh, the, the, the Greek term is Zoe life, and that is a life of overflowing abundance and goodness. And the way we've defined it is Zoe life is a life of wholeness and peace. That's what God wants for us. And in these important dimensions, not only these, but especially these, mental health, relational health, emotional health, physical health, and spiritual health. And today we're just going to be answering this question how do I help my friends and family whose mental health is suffering? How do I help? Sometimes we can feel so inadequate or, you know, untrained and unskilled. And, you know, we don't want to pretend to be experts when we're not. We let the experts be experts. But we are part of a community of love and healing. And we're moving on a journey toward wholeness and health together with Jesus. And so we want to help others. So what does that look like? Now, these four responses are seen in the story of Jesus and this man in spiritual and mental darkness. But I think we see these four responses today in our culture, in our society, and in individuals. These four responses can be, be very, very common, uh, where you want to run away or, and, and abandon. You, you want to restrain or, and, and just remove the problem, or you want to ignore and uh, send them away. Um, but how do we how do we learn to get to this response of help and healing? Um, how do we help our friends and family? And let's let's jump into the story and and, and look at the insights um, from this this story with Jesus. Mark five chapter one. So they arrived at the other side of the lake, in the region of the Gerasenes. Now, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. 
Imagine with me the disciples coming from a storm where they almost died. I mean, they just had this crazy moment where a storm almost killed them. Jesus calms the storm and they have this spiritual death moment and they're alive. And you can just see them just jumping onto dry land being, we made it. Oh man, Jesus, that was amazing, but I'm ready to just go get some food and relax. And right when Jesus jumps on the land, a man runs out of the local cemetery. Uh, he runs out of the tombs. We know from the story that he's got no clothes on. Uh, he's out of his mind. He's uh, in total spiritual darkness. And he comes running up to Jesus. And in the story, he begins shrieking at them. And you can just see the disciples processing this after being in the storm, after being on the sea, and and just and just thinking, Jesus, why, why can't you be like the other rabbis? Why can't you just, why can't you just answer some tough theological doctrinal questions here and there? Why can't you just, you know, create like a, a real, real strong, you know, rabbi program where it's step one, step two, step three? Why couldn't you just make it something like that? Why couldn't you be like the other rabbis? If someone gets unruly or they're breaking the social codes that you just remove them, you just have them taken, you know, away from the, the group. It'd be so much easier. I see that Jesus, um, the way he disciples is like whole life discipleship. It's discovery discipleship with real life and his, the doctrine you learn, it really matters. Um, and so Jesus teaches them how to deal with the things that really come up, like mental and spiritual darkness. And Jesus wouldn't get back in the boat. He wouldn't let the guy go back to the tombs before he helped and healed him. It's really easy, I think, to want to run back to the boat. I mean, I can, I can understand that from the disciples perspective, but Jesus shows us a different way. Let's, let's keep moving on in the story. In verse three, the man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. I mean, it's so easy to, in our, in our culture and in their culture, just want to chain and restrain. And that, that really is, there's, there's moments where you do, someone might need to be restrained because of an episode or what they're going through. Like there are moments where that is necessary and there's sometimes boundaries that need to be put and limits. And those are, are health, can be healthy things, but, um, it's not a, a good long-term strategy just to, like in this situation, chain and restrain somebody. Because that's not going to take them toward health. It's going to keep them in in uh, a certain spot. And and then look at look at what happens whenever he was put into the chains and shackles, as he often was. He snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. For if our only strategy is like to chain and restrain, chains and, and restraining like shackles, they're meant to be broken. Uh, limits and boundaries. If, if we're not, if we don't have a strategy that's going to help someone toward health and maturity and growth, um, wholeness and peace, um, people are going to find a way to break through those boundaries, those limits, those restraints. Um, Let's keep talking or keep looking at this story. So no one was strong enough to subdue him. In verse 5, day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills. 
howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. I mean, this man is in such um, spiritual and mental anguish. I mean, he's not thinking clearly and he's hurting himself. And um, and the strategy by the society and the culture has been to really exile him to the tombs. It's kind of this mentality of send him away and ignore him. Like, let's just try to ignore and pretend as if he doesn't exist. And and that that's not a good long-term strategy either. And it's certainly not going to help someone um, regain a, a wholeness and health and move toward peace. In verse 6, it says this, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him. And Jesus wouldn't leave him and wouldn't jump in the boat, wouldn't send him back to the tombs, didn't exile him, didn't uh, just restrain him um, as like some long-term strategy. And Jesus helped him and he healed him. And in the story, this miraculous healing and, uh, occurs. And we know it's in, our, you know, in our world there, you know, as a Christian, I've, I've seen and I know that, that God can heal someone miraculously, but often it's through natural process, not just supernatural. And it's through doctors. It can be through medicine. It can be through um, relationships and counseling. And I mean, there's a holistic approach that happens. And, and we see Jesus do, using approaches like this in his ministry. And I, I just think it's really important to recognize that. But this man is healed. And if we picked up the story in um, verse 15, look at the, look at what happened happens to this man's life. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. This man has been, he's not been himself. He's been in uh, spiritual, mental, emotional darkness, physically he's harmed himself and, and he encounters Jesus and he's healed. Um, Jesus helps and heals him. That's, that's Jesus' response. And I just think it's really, really powerful that Jesus, he had an agenda. He probably wanted to get somewhere, but he helped people along the way. He didn't let it, it stop him from his agenda. It didn't let him stop him from the path to the cross and the path to the resurrection, you know, it, but, but the journey and the path is as important as the destination. Who we're becoming it is important as what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to do. And Jesus takes time to help and heal. And I think that says something to us. Are we willing to, to notice people and to care for them? And um, Jesus sees this man. He cares for this man and he shares his time and he shares um, his ability to heal him and restore him. And, and, and because Jesus restores him spiritually and mentally and emotionally, he's restored relationally to all the people and to his worshiping community and to his family. It's this amazing moment. And, um, I don't want us to miss that Jesus takes that time. Do we see care and are we willing to share with people in our life what we have? to help them toward wholeness. Now look at the response of the people to this healing and wholeness and peace that bring, that Jesus brings. At the end of verse 15, it says what? And they, all the society and all the people, were all afraid. They were terrified. Well, why? And it goes on to say in verse 16, then those who had seen what happened told the others about the, the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And Jesus had cast out these demons and the pigs had gone over the cliff. And, you know, you guys know the story if you've been following along with us. And 
uh, in verse 17, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to stay? No. Jesus does this miraculous healing. Jesus doing amazing things. And they, they, they're afraid of him. They plead with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Why? Well, I think there's a few things that are very human in this. Why would someone ask Jesus who's healing and the, and the power of God is just flowing through him and, and he's, he's changing the world? Why would society, why would people be afraid of him and plead with him to leave, to go away? Well, I think one reason is the power of Jesus can just freak people out sometimes. Like if Jesus brings something supernatural into our life that we're not expecting, we're used to just like ordinary natural things, it can, it can freak you out, you know? And, and so there's, there's some natural response to have a little bit of fear. Um, and I know the Bible, people will use, Christians will use like those verses like fear not, you know, be strong and courageous, have no fear. Um, but that's not acknowledging the context. Like, of course, we're going to have natural fear with some things and fear is going to lurch up. The reason that what, whatever author is writing uh, in scripture to be courageous or to not have fear, when Paul says that, you know, don't be afraid. Um, he's saying that because he knows we have fear is, is teaching us how to have faith in the midst of our fears. And um, the, the other thing I think is really important to recognize is it, when Jesus is moving in our lives and he's changing us and he's transforming us, um, it reveals there are areas that we are not in control of and only God is in control of. Only Jesus is in, con- in control of. Like there, none of the society, none of the individuals, none of the families had control over this man or the situation or his, um, his need for healing. None of them could heal him. And none of them could, could really contain him. They didn't know what to do. And Jesus comes along and with a word puts everything right and brings peace, calms the internal storm. He's able to calm the external storm on the sea. He calms and brings peace to the internal storm of this man. And that causes a new storm and, and more anxiety in these people. They're freaking out because it reveals that just how little control they have. And sometimes when God's at work in our life, it reveals just how little control we have and, and we can freak out that we don't have control or we can learn to get, have peace and say, okay, God, I'm not in control and that's okay. I'm not God and you are and I'm okay with that. Another thing is uh, another reason that people can kind of freak out and want to tell God to get out of their life is it disrupts the social norms and the status quo. When God shows up, he begins transforming and changing things and changing people and healing people. And there are some relationships and there's some dynamics in society where uh, we we really don't want the the status quo to change. We, we like the social norms. We like the status that we've earned and that other people haven't earned yet. Sometimes we, we cling to that. And there's codependencies that are created where someone's dependent on on a weakness or an addiction or a sickness in someone's life. And when they're healed, all of a sudden they don't have their identity anymore and the codependency is revealed. And I think that there, there's some dynamics like that in this story. There's, there's unconscious um, codependency happening. And there's also, it also reveals guilt. Like maybe I should have done something different or man, I, I, I did abandon and I, I, I just wanted to ignore him or we've just been wanting to restrain him. And, and I didn't really believe that God wanted or would heal him. I thought maybe it was own, his own fault that he was sick. And, and then Jesus coming and healing this man reveals all of that hogwash for what it was and all of the fear and all of the lack of courage. 
And so there's guilt sometimes. And, and so like Jesus, I don't want to be reminded, I don't want to have the mirror of who I really am, you know, held up to me right now. And lastly, um, it costs these people financially. 2,000 pigs getting, you know, like having demons cast them and falling over a cliff and losing all this, this huge herd of, of pigs. Scholars have said that that is about uh, a, a year's supply of food. I mean, think about that. That's a lot of food. A year's supply. It costs them something. Costs them time and energy and costs them money. That's an economic hardship. The many were suffering for the healing of the few or the one. And there's a tension there. Jesus, who is the one who died for the many, is in this moment, he is sacrificing the, the economy of the many for the one. And there's a tension. And we're, that means that the culture, the society was going to have to learn to be innovative, creative to make that up. Cause God doesn't want a whole society to, you know, like dwindle and die. But he, but there, there is a reality. If we're going to help people and we're going to serve people who are struggling, hurting, broken or without, if we are going to help them, it costs us something. And that means that we have to be creative, we have to be innovative, we have to trust that God will take care of us and not let fear drive us. There's an abundance, not a scarcity. Our God will provide for us. So how do I help friends and family members whose mental health is suffering? Um, Jesus was always teaching his disciples some key lessons. One of the key lessons he, he was teaching the religious and his own disciples was this. He said, learn what it means that I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Learn what that means. And um, I, I think this is really important. Religion removes. Relationship renews. Religion has a tendency to like want to cut off and, and remove the people and the situations that just like, I don't want to deal with, they're sinful, they're, it's like, I don't want to get infected with the, the sin that they have, or I don't want to deal with the, the issues that they have, it's really messy. So there's this tendency to remove or to, like a surgeon, just cut off everything and cut the limb off and just get it out. Um, but Jesus comes to renew, He's, he didn't come to bring religion, he came to get rid of religion and bring relationship with God and others. And so he, he's in the business of renewing, of restoring. And he's trying to save everything he can. If, if there's an infection, how do we save every aspect of this person and not just try to start hacking off limbs? Um, how do we not uh, just run to the boat? How do we not just abandon? How do we not just con- uh, restrain and chain people uh, in, into this world of sickness that they're in or unhealth? And Jesus really wants to help and heal because he seeks mercy, not sacrifice. It's so easy to uh, run back to the boat and, uh, and abandon someone. It's so easy to just like ignore and just abandon someone to the tombs. Um, my father-in-law, I shared this uh, last week, my father-in-law had a stroke and the uh, whole right side of his brain was, was uh, had an aneurysm and he was in the hospital. The doctors thought he was going to die. And uh, in the middle of that, there were friends that he and his wife, Chris, were relying on. They, th- they thought for sure these people would be with them. And they were. it was shocking how many people saw Stan in a situation in the mental, spiritual, uh, emotional darkness that he was in. Um, and they didn't know how to handle it. And they ran to the boats. 
some people just were like, it, they came and they were just, they didn't know what to do. They didn't have the training for it. And it was so awkward for him uh, that we didn't hear anything from him. Just kind of abandoned him to the tombs. Um, and that was really hard for them because there were people that they thought, man, they, well, I thought you were in this with us. But the most amazing thing was there were some people that were the most, it was some of the most surprising people, like neighbors who they didn't know that well and old friends and um, some family members that had never kind of risen to the occasion that saw the state he was in, they cared about it and they came and they had the courage to serve him. And there were people that, you know, they didn't run to the boat, they didn't leave him in the tombs and they were there with Stan um, throughout his recovery. They were checking with him, they were helping him um, just in tangible ways, helping him. And they weren't experts. They weren't the ones who were doing all the physical therapy. They weren't the ones helping him um, work through some of the the therapy on the, on the the brain work that needed to be done, but in every way they could, they shared what they had. And I I just want to encourage you, if you're wanting to know, how do I help someone who might be struggling um, spiritually and mentally? Let me give you three really practical and important ways. And we see Jesus doing this. And here they are. Uh, They're simply these three things, see, care, and share. The first one is see. And that's simply to have Empathy, just to have empathy. We, we all have some degree of mental unhealth and mental health where, you know, mental health isn't just a category. It's a continuum. It's a spectrum. And we all have um, areas that we're doing well and areas that we're not. And so we're all in the same boat. The, the next one is to care. And we just we need to care for people. We need to just show love. It might sound real simple, but when we show love, we're actually taking our empathy and we're beginning to act on it. We're caring about people. We, we are authentic with who we are and we care about people authentically. Um, and we're not the medical experts, you know, or very few of us are medical experts and, and we shouldn't pretend to be, um, or act like we are, but we, we are called to love and we can help people. And so when we care and we show love, we begin to have a heart to help. We become broken people who are loving other broken people. And um, that leads us to the third thing is to share. Um, sharing requires having the courage to reach out and help. Um, help often starts when you just reach out, you notice, you see that something going, you care about it. And you step out and you say, you know, I'm going to share my story. I'm going to be open with, with what I'm going through and you be, and you share from what you have. Here's what I'm not a medical expert, uh, but I, I, I have some time or I know of some resources and you, you share out of what you have. Maybe that's some time. Maybe that's, um, a listening ear. Uh, and maybe that's helping connect them to someone who can help them, who is a, an expert in the area that they need. And I just want to encourage you to, to do those three things and to, to notice people, like really look and see who's struggling and care about it and then share out of what you have and connect them to the help that they need. We have a PDF that you can click on on the link below and it has resources for you. It has simple resources that can just help you kind of have a diagnostic of where you are in your spiritual and uh, mental and emotional health. Um, it also has, um, you know, a resource with our church. If you need someone to 
pray with you or just listen to you and maybe talk with you. Um, we have that resource. And then we also have um, resources for counselors. And if you need a counselor, um, someone that can begin doing some of the emotional, mental, and, and soul work that, that may be needed in your life, you can get connected to a counselor. So click on that link and get the help you need. And friends, let's not abandon our friends to the tombs. Let's not run back to the boat. Let's help people the best we can see, care, and share. It's really easy to have have the impulse to run away and to, to run to the boat, to leave someone in the tombs. But it's so important that we don't abandon people. And uh, I, I have a friend um, who's going to share her story. And um, it, it's a story where she had friends who didn't abandon her and stayed with her and they helped and were part of the healing process. Check out my friend's story. Uh, my name is Renelle Whalen, and I have gone through quite a journey of um, mental health issues. <laughs> um, I come by it real naturally. My great-grandma was a um, catatonic schizophrenic. She she stopped speaking after the loss of a child and was institutionalized the rest of her life. And my grandma had shock treatments and um, over and over. And uh, then my dad was bipolar, which is, you know, maybe what both my my grandmother's had as well. And um, I really struggled with depression during every pregnancy because of the hormones. And um, in me, the the depression showed up as very angry and very bitter. And I blamed everybody else for my problems. And um, so my marriage was a disaster for we. Mike and I have been married for 26 years now, and the first 15 were miserable. Um, I I made life miserable for pretty much everybody in my household. I have a, a really good friend, and she she just um, she she was such a life support to me. She just kept saying, you know, Renelle, you can't. You can't blame everything on everybody else. She says, you can't change their behavior, but you can change your own behavior through the power of the Holy Spirit because there's really nothing I could do. I wanted to, to be better. I wanted to be kind and nice and friendly, uh, but but I just absolutely couldn't. I think that the most helpful things were fellowship, you know, having somebody that I could just pour out all the good, bad, ugly, and and have them listen and still say, but you are responsible to do this because you live for Christ. Um, And I think being in church, being in the Word every day, uh, praise music, I needed medication to even get to a place where I was able to want change because I was so in despair at times. Um, uh, I'm a strong believer that broken minds need medicine, just like broken bodies do. And so I've been on antidepressants um, since I was pregnant with my third child. Child, I have not. Well, I've tried to go off and 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 just plummet it out of control. So I kind of know that you know that's just kind of going to be part of who I am, and and so and that's that's fine with me. You know, people take medications for other things, and and so I, I'm good with it. I struggled with it for a while. You hate to need something to be okay, but um, I I I'm a big proponent nowadays, and I did do counseling um, repeatedly over the years, and um, just sought out every single thing I could that would give me a a whole mind. 
it, it didn't happen quickly for me. I, I wanted to just be instantly healed and be a, a super nice person, and, and that was not the situation at all. It, it was slow, and it was um, failing a lot, and then just running to God and and being, you know, just just heartbroken over w- what I kept doing. Here are these miraculous stories, and I was mad, you know, when, when I'd hear those stories for, for a long time. I was just mad. I was like, God, why not? me you know why why can't I just be instantly better you know um and and, um so you know but the real truth is he wanted me to depend on him Uh, I I can be very independent like I said you know very type a personality do this 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 um I could not control myself (laughs) and it brought me to a place of complete Dependence. I, I had nothing in myself that could fix this. For other people that struggle, just know that there's hope. And, and really, w- with Holy Spirit's power, there's the ability to change, too. Uh, you don't have to, to live defeated every day. Um, it's possible to live beyond it, you know, and, and I still struggle with it. During this COVID-19 stuff, I, I, I you know, kind of had another little bout, and but I, I know where to go now. Depression is not something you can do alone. There have to be people that support you and believe in you and hold you accountable again. Like I said, um, you, you can't do it alone, so talk to somebody. If you or anyone you know are really struggling with mental and emotional health and you need help now, today, uh, call today. Call this number, the Pierce County Crisis Line. Call this number. And then the second step is just tell somebody you trust. Make sure you tell somebody you trust and open up. Uh, you're not meant to carry these burdens alone. You need to be able to open up with somebody and have them walk alongside the journey with you. We have a, a, a team of listeners, people who will spiritually listen. They're not going to solve your problems. They're, they'll listen. You can set up appointments uh, to actually be listened to, to process, and to receive prayer. And uh, we also have a PDF that can just help you process your emotions with a friend or on your own. And uh, it just has some great resources for you um, for mental health and spiritual health. And I want to encourage you to utilize that. You can just click on the link below. Guys, I love you so much, and let's worship in this next portion together.